Merry Christmas. Thank you very much. You would think that I would learn not to sit in front of the subwoofer during Little Drummer Boy. I cannot see you right now. I can't smell anything. I'm not even sure what's going to come out of my mouth. So, hey, will you thank our worship team for, for what they just brought us? And Joseph, drummer boy, where is Joseph? He ran off, he ran off. He, that was it, he was done. Will you thank him as well? Um, one of our kids at the last service, True, she just gets, she can get frightened easily. And so in the middle of that whole thing, she looked over at me and she was like, when is it gonna end? <laughs> So anyhow, my name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. Thank you so much for spending Christmas Eve with us. Um, I want to tell you about a trip we took four years ago. Four years ago, my sister was getting married, and she decided to do a destination wedding. And so we ended up in Hawaii for this wedding. And it was, it was incredible. But I think the thing that jumps out to me so much were all the different details that came together. We had the trip to Hawaii, obviously. There was this um, beachfront house that we stayed in. And uh, actually, it was because of the wedding, it was just, it was very busy. It was a very busy time. And uh, we had a schedule change one morning. And so instead of running all over the place, we were, we were sitting on the upper floor of this house and we happened to look down into the backyard of the house next to us, and there was this giant tortoise just slowly moving across the yard. And the kids got really excited, and they wanted to go see this thing. And so a couple days later, we went down, and we, we met the owner of this tortoise, Al, and his wife. And then we discovered the tortoise's name, Henry. And so we met Henry the tortoise, and they were feeding the tortoise, and we're hanging out with him. And we said, well, do you have any other pets, any other animals? And they're like, yeah, well, actually, we have this pond that's like half in the house, half out of the house. And I was like, well, it's Hawaii. Of course you have a pond that's half in your house. We went inside, and we're looking at the fish, and something caught my eye on the wall. I looked over, and there was this picture of Al, the guy that, that I was talking to, and he is just in this picture with his arm around Ronald Reagan. And it's signed in the corner, to Al, thank you for all you've done, Ronnie. I was like, wow, you call Ronald Reagan Ronnie, okay? <laughs> I looked to the side of that, and here is a picture of Al, and he is standing there with the Clintons, Bill and Hillary Clinton, same thing. There's something written in the corner. I look above that, there's Al with George H. Bush and Barbara. To the side of that, George W. Bush, Laura, and Al. And all of these are signed. There's a picture of him with the Pope. There's pictures of him with all these world leaders. And I just said, Al, okay, I don't want to insult you, but are we supposed to know who you are? And he had retired, so he was able to tell me, well, I'm assuming his real name was Al, but he was able to tell me that he had recently retired. He had been Secret Service security detail for the last six presidents of the United States. And I thought, oh my goodness, if I had known this earlier, Al, I would have skipped my sister's wedding. <laughs> and I did the wedding. I would have skipped it to hang out with you, Al. 
And I reflect back on that because it was such an eye-opening, just right in front of my face, incredible, amazing, awesome moment. And I often think back and I go, what if one detail hadn't gone the way it went? I may never have known that moment. I mean, if, if the trip had been scheduled on another date, if the wedding had been scheduled on another date, if it was a different house, if they weren't home, But I think the detail that just stood out to me so much was actually the detail that we nearly missed. It was the detail that we were just sitting one morning, and I mean, it's not often that a tortoise catches your eye out of the corner of your eye, right? Because they don't move that fast. It's a green tortoise against green grass, and yet that was the moment that I think opened the door for all of that to happen. Now, why do I bring this up? because I was so, I I still am in awe at all that came together for that moment. And to be honest, it's not too different than what God did at Christmas. Because his Christmas story is a series of details that he brought together so precisely that it's possible we could miss it. In fact, I believe in a room this big, there are a number of people that the idea of living in awe of God and who he is, that's, that's not a struggle. And I bet there are a number of people in here that it's not even a struggle to want to go tell people that God loves them and he's in awe of them. But perhaps the most difficult thing for many of us is to understand all that he brought together to communicate his awe for ourselves. Did you know that God is full of awe for you, and you have only to look at the details of the Christmas story to understand that. And so this, mor- or this morning, this evening, we are, uh, we're in Luke chapter 2. I want, I want to take you into a few details of Luke's account of the birth of Jesus. And here's why I want to do this, because I believe in a room this size, there are some people that are sitting here that need some details out of there. You need some details in order to know that God really is in awe of you. In fact, some sitting here right now, as you look at what you walk through in life and what you're going through, I bet you can look around and you can see things at work in your life that just feel so much more powerful than you. And to you, I say you need to see this detail. There's a detail. It's in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. We'll have it up on the screen, but here's what it says. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. Now you're thinking, okay, what does that tell me, Nathan? Well, if you just think, if you just think about history class and you think back through to who Caesar was and who, whom you may know about Quirinius, these were men who had power. In fact, Caesar was somebody who his reach was long and it was broad and it was wide and there wasn't anybody he couldn't get to. You have some Caesars in your life right now? Do you have some Caesars that feel like their reach is just so broad, that they're so powerful that you can't possibly, you can't possibly get out from under their influence? And yet this detail we need to see, because where is this detail found? In not Caesar's story, not Quirinius's story. It's in God's story. See, God looks at a Caesar 
You know what he says? He says, I can, I can use that. I can use that for all the reach that everybody thinks Caesar has. You know what? I'm actually going to use him. And this would be the beginning of God bringing the pieces together. He says, look, they're not so powerful that they overpower me. I guide them. And you know what you discover about God in this passage? Is that he will orchestrate the powerful to show you his awe for you. He will orchestrate the powerful. He will direct all power in order to display his love and his awe for you and me. Well, it continues because as I think about it, there are some in this room that maybe, maybe that's not your deal. Maybe you're not overwhelmed by the power that, that different entities have in your life. Maybe for you, it's the next verse. The next verse, the reminders it brings. It says this. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. See, it seems full of information, but it's actually got these details because there are some in here that I think the obstacle to seeing God's awe has everything to do with the burdens that you're carrying. You know those burdens that just so overwhelm that we can't think about anything else, that it's constantly there in your face every single day? And you want to know what one of the best pieces of good news is for you? It's one detail in this passage. Joseph. Joseph is in this passage. See, Joseph was a man who was pledged to be married to a woman named Mary. And in their engagement, he discovered she was pregnant. She was pregnant. And immediately, nobody would blame him. He would think, another man. She was with another man. And Joseph was a man who was faithful to the law. In fact, he came from a long line, a lineage that was faithful to the law. And you know what the law said? It said, well, she deserves death. And while Joseph didn't want to go that far, he did have in mind to divorce her quietly. And one night, after a, after a life full of living up to the law and trying to be faithful to the law, one dream. One dream changed everything. He got up from that dream and he did exactly what God said to do in that dream. And he went home and he married Mary. Are you carrying a burden right now? Because not only is he a God who will orchestrate power to show you his awe, you know what else he will do? He will strengthen the anguished. That means for you and I, if we're carrying a burden, he says, I'll strengthen you and I can do it like that. No matter how you've lived your entire life up to this point, one dream is all I need. One thought, one moment, it's all he needs. Are you carrying a burden? Because you're in good company. For others in this room, the obstacle to experiencing and sensing and seeing God's awe for you, it's not the power, it's not the burden that is present in your life. What it is, is you may just be in a place in life where you look at it and you go, what good can possibly come from here? What good can come from where I'm at right now? And there's a detail that you really need to see because it's the greatest news for you. You know what it is? It's Nazareth. God says, yeah, I use Nazareth. Now, why is that a big deal? Because Nazareth was not thought well of. Nazareth, in terms of distance from where 
people thought God's activity was taking place was possibly the furthest thing they could think of. Nazareth was not thought highly of. People from Nazareth were not thought highly of. In fact, there was a man in the Bible, his name's Nathaniel, not me, him, you know what he said? When he heard that Jesus came from Nazareth, he said, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? And God says, yeah, Jesus comes from Nazareth. He's a God who not only orchestrates the powerful, strengthens the anguished, but he also gives worth to the unworthy. Those Nazareths in our life, he says, I can bring something out of that. Are you staring at a Nazareth right now? Is there a Nazareth where you just think nothing good can come from that area, that place of my life? Well, you'd be in good company because God used a Nazareth as one of the details to communicate his awe for you and for me. For others in this room, it's not any of what we just mentioned. It, it's possible that you just feel small compared to what you face every single day. It's possible you just feel small. And you think, what use would he have for me? And you want to know what the best piece of news is for you? Bethlehem. Bethlehem is part of the Christmas story. Because long before the moment right here in this passage, hundreds of years before, God spoke through one of his prophets. And he said, oh, Bethlehem, though you are small, I will bring one who will rule on my behalf out of you. Hundreds of years. See, Bethlehem was always part of God's plan to show his awe to you and to me. And yet we still do it. We still sing, what do we sing? Oh, little town of Bethlehem. Yet he's a God who says, listen, I can bring a lot out of a little. Let me put it to you this way. Men, how many sprays of cologne does it take? <laughs> Women, how many sprays of perfume does it take? We all know it only takes one, right? It only takes one. We discovered this the hard way. Came home a few months ago, and um, Lincoln, our, our little guy, our son, he's five years old, he had spilled something, decided he was going to try to get a bottle of water to clean it up, and he grabbed a bottle of cologne. Just over and over and over. Do you think that house filled with the scent? And the child smelled great for months and months after that. But he's a God who can bring a lot out of a little. Still others in a room this big, you may need the reminder that the next verse brings. The next verse says this. Verse five, he went there to register. This is Joseph. He went to Bethlehem to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. See, I know there are some in this room who the reason you have a hard time with the thought that God would be in awe of you is because when you look in the mirror every day, maybe you don't see something that God could use. You see nothing in you that God could use. I've been there. And the greatest news we could have, the, the best detail that we could have in this passage is that Mary was part of who God used to bring all this together. Because Mary lived at a time where 
she was considered incredibly insignificant. And she was from a town, guess where she was from? Nazareth. But Mary was also engaged and she was planning a wedding. And so here you have an overlooked person from what many considered an unimportant town focused on her own plans. And so one day when an angel showed up and said, God wants to use you, she had every reason to say, there's nothing in me that you could use. And yet, you know what her response was? May it be in me as you have said. God wasn't looking for ability. He was looking for availability. He's a God who will give ability to those who give him availability. And so maybe the best question many of us could be asking right now is not what should I be working on? It should be who should I be looking for? Because God is looking for somebody who's available to him. And then there are others in here that it's just hard to feel like God is full of awe for you because there, there are just difficult situations where you think, I don't know how to get out of this. I don't see a way forward from this. And there's good news for you in this passage. You know what it is? She was engaged to be married, but she was with child. See, Mary lived in a time, as we said earlier, where the law said, well, she deserves death. And that was modified over time. It was modified to say anyone who is engaged but found with child well, their fiance can give them a certificate of divorce and they would be a disgrace. And yet her fiance, who had in mind to divorce her until he had this dream, this dream, the Lord said to him, look, you're not going to divorce Mary. You are not going to disgrace Mary. There's actually another option. There's another way. You are going to marry Mary. He's a God who does everything we've said so far, but you know what else he does? He can make a way where there seems to be no way. Some of you may have seen these pictures. There's an artist named Ruth Osterman. Ruth Osterman. And Ruth Osterman has a very unique way of creating art. What she does is she will find the scribbled on pages that her three-year-old comes up with. There's one up here right now. And what she does is she looks at that and she goes, hmm, well, it doesn't look like much. Doesn't look like much could be made of this. And then look what she turns it into. Here's another one. Bunch of scribbles, and she turns it into that. Last one. This is a God who, when we see no other way, when we see how nothing can come of the situation, he says, I can make a way. I will make a way. There are others in this room who maybe you just can't understand, experience, feel, sense, see the awe, the love God has for you because of what comes on the heels of these verses. Luke chapter two, verse eight. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Nowhere else would these shepherds have been written about. But God says, well, it's a detail I want to use. It's a detail I want to use. And he would send his angels to these shepherds and he'd say, I want to get the news out about this and I want to start with you guys. 
I want to start with you. You want to know why? Because he's a God who one day would take water and he would turn it into the best wine. He's a God who one day would look at a group of young men and he would turn them into devoted disciples. But here, he looked at some shepherds, one of the most ordinary jobs you could have during that day, one of the most overlooked jobs you could have, in one of the most overlooked places, a field. And he says, you know what? I can take ordinary and I can make it extraordinary. I can do it. And so right now, are you in a field? When you think through life, are you standing in a field? Do you feel like a shepherd? He says, well, perfect. You are perfectly positioned because I can take that ordinary and I can make it extraordinary. And then finally, there's a reminder that honestly, I bet probably everyone in this room needs. It's verse six. It's a detail God includes. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. There's no doubt that given the size of the crowd that was descending on Bethlehem and the size of the town, there were long lines. There was a lot of waiting. And whether they planned on Mary having the baby there, the time came while they were there. And you know what God says? My timing is perfect. It's perfect. I know it feels like you've been waiting, but my timing is perfect. It's kind of similar to something we tell our children when we're on road trips, because we all know the question they ask. They say, well, how long until we get there? And we finally started saying this thing that I think just reflects how God works. We'll be there slower than you want and faster than you expect. And you look in the rearview mirror and they're all like, what? You should try it, parents. It's worth at least five minutes of shocked silence, okay? And you look at all this together and you bring all this together because God brought every single one of these details into his story that he wanted to communicate to you and to me to say, I'm so in awe of you. And the question at Christmas is not whether he is in awe of us because he took all these details and he brought them together. And you know where he brought them together? He brought them together on a welcome mat. On a welcome mat of an inn in Bethlehem. And it's a welcome mat that probably doesn't look too different than yours or mine. And they knocked on the door of the inn of the mat they were standing on and an innkeeper answered the door. Probably not too different than you and I. And God, after having bringing, brought all these details together, he could have said anything through Mary and Joseph. He could have said, do you know how in love with you I am? Do you know how in awe of you I am? I orchestrated power. I strengthened the anguished. I gave worth to the unworthy. I brought a lot out of a little. I gave ability to someone who gave me her availability. I made a way when there seemed to be no way. I turned ordinary into extraordinary, and my timing is perfect for this moment on this welcome mat. He could have said that, but he didn't. 
He could have said something else he says in his word. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. He could have said that. He didn't say that. You know what he said? One question through Joseph and Mary. Do you have any room? Do you have any room? And if we were standing there, we would have said, Mary, tell them who, tell them who you're carrying right now. Tell them who is in your womb. Tell them. And yet all they said is, do you have any room? And so much hung in the balance of the innkeeper's answer to that question. And so much hangs in the balance in your answer and my answer to that question. Everything hangs in the balance in our answer to that question. But it's about as uneventful and unnoticeable and unassuming as, I don't know, a tortoise crawling across a lawn. And so we discover what that answer was in what is maybe one of the most beautiful but also disturbing passages I can think of in all of Scripture. Verse 7, And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. The question on Christmas is not whether he is in awe of us. It's whether we have room for him. And so, will you stand, if you're able to, as we sing, O come, let us adore him.